Welcome to History 21, the podcast, a production of the Anoka County Historical Society, sharing the stories and audio journeys from our county's past and present. Hey, Sarah, good morning. Hey, Rebecca. This has been a week. (laughs) (laughs) It has. And you know what? I got to thinking. On my Facebook page, every once in a while, I get quotes from Mr. Rogers, and they make me smile because they're so kind and gentle, and he's always reminding me to go meet my neighbors. So you know what we did a couple weeks ago? What did we do? We went and met our neighbors. (laughs) Because lo and behold, uh, you know, we're we're pretty good friends with Ramsey and Hennepin, but for some reason, we never turn around and see the border on the other side and there sits sam in isanti county yeah history doesn't stop at the border i mean we're the anoka county historical society but people living in saint francis and bethel especially um, when we're first starting out as a county they're going to go for those resources to isanti county they're not going to take the time to drive their horse all the way to anoka So families really cross borders and we don't pay attention to it today. So it's really nice to meet our neighbors. Sam drove down and it, you know, it's really only a half hour drive. It's not like he took the whole day to come down here. Right. So he drove down and we had a cup of coffee and we sat around and we chit chatted about our historical societies. And it's always fun to do because the building that you're in really dictates what you can do and the restrictions that are put on you for programming or for inviting people in and how convenient it is to get to your location. Yeah. He said that he's just on the fairgrounds and uh, it'd be really awesome to take a trip and visit him sometime and make him make the coffee. Right. (laughs) Go barge in the door. Okay, that's it. We're getting all the volunteers together. We're getting a bus. Yes, but apparently he has to cut his own grass. We don't have to do that. Thank you, City of Anoka. (laughs) He does his own mouse traps. Thank you, Adams Pest Control. (laughs) Different things for different people. I'm glad you guys had a good conversation. Shall we get into it? Yeah, absolutely. The executive directors meet. Dun, dun, dun. Hey, Sam, how you doing? Great. <laughs> you drove all the way down here just to sit and have some fun with me for a few minutes. I did. I did. I came back down to an Anoka, Minnesota. Anoka, Minnesota? All, all the way from Isanti, Minnesota. Yeah. It's, and- it's nice to be back down here. My wife and daughter and I, you just come down here to shop like everybody else. We're going to sit and compare some notes about the two historical societies yes. and have a little ED spill all session okay little gossip session sure (laughs) but to put things into perspective for our listeners can you tell us a little bit about isandy county historical society yeah yeah basically um you know like a lot of historical societies in the area uh or in the state i guess we we have a a museum um a research area and a lot of other structures throughout our county that are, you know, of historic significance that we maintain. Um, 
but looking at kind of my role and who I am, uh, the director, the executive director, I've, I've been there for about three years now. And it's been a very interesting experience thus far. You know, there's a lot of different things that I do there on a daily basis. Um, everything from taking research requests, uh, you know, to helping with the collections. We have one person currently helping with um, the accessioning process. And that's been a tremendous help, you know, because normally it's, on, you know, for myself, it's a lot of, as they say, putting out fires every day from worrying about, uh, uh, you know, paying the bills to um, getting meeting, uh, our meeting agenda ready, working on the newsletter, doing the Facebook and social media posts. Um, it's just a lot of stuff. So, but we, what we try and do, and I think we do very well, um, is we're a very welcoming facility. There's been times where I've had, you know, the door locked, you know, it's, you know, we won't be open that day, for example. Okay. And somebody will, will be coming through town and they'll drive back there and they'll go through our gate and find us way back in the corner of the fairgrounds and get there and the door is locked. I'll always open it for him, you know, no matter what I'm doing. You know, one guy came out from Montana to do some research on his family, um, had the dates mixed up, got there on a Friday. We were technically closed. He came in. We spent two hours going through stuff, sent him on his way with, um, you know, some historic plat book images, some family photos, and a guide to uh, grab a bite to eat in town on the way out. So just trying to engage with folks. Um, that's, that's my biggest, I guess my biggest goal is to just be there for the public and our members and anybody who comes in and wants to learn about the past i'm i'm uh i'm there for them well you have to and yeah. you know history is stuck in time but very alive mm -hmm. and when people want to take the time to learn about it and they they have some pressing questions it's really important the most important thing to me is is the is the connection with people the other stuff is obviously you know I can say equally as important as far as like the daily uh, management of the facility and all that goes into that. But, you know, it, it, that's what I like the most is when somebody walks through our doors and says, hi, I'm here to do X, Y, and Z. Let's sit down, have a cup of coffee and chat. Talking to you, I'm reminded how spoiled I am here. Yeah. That I have two other full-time people and a few yeah. part-time people and some volunteers. Right. Pretty sizable building. Indeed. And so... You know, me and my little Disneyland here in Anoka. <laughs> you know, I, I hear your your one man gig out there, and mm -hmm. I'm reminded of my previous job. And sure, it's tough. You know, you got to yeah. do the mouse traps. You got to do, yep. like you said, the the filters. It all kind of falls on your shoulders. Yeah, yeah. And in getting into that job, you know, like I said, when I, I how I you know started there, um, I was on the board of directors. Uh, was was graciously invited to be on the board of directors in 2017. Um, I had been doing a little uh, post on my personal Facebook page I called Farmhouse Friday just because I love history. And I was writing these little quirks and little stories about um, the history of the summer kitchen or, or the history of why the foundation of my farmhouse is uh, sandstone. I mean, things that normal people are like, what is he doing? You know, but it caught the attention of, of the director before me and and she asked me, you know, I see you're very engaged in, in the local history. Would you like to be on our board? And I was just f completely flattered at that, you know. And 
got into the board for uh, about a year and then the director at the time um, had moved on and they asked me if I wanted to take the job as kind of an interim position. And it was, you know, exciting to hear that, but also terrifying, you know, because I, I knew I wanted to do it. But having a background in forestry and logging, it's like, you know, and not managing an entire organization. I mean, I ran my own business for almost 20 years, but it's like, you know, it, it's it, it on the outside, it looks so intimidating, you know, like just everything about it. Um, but I figured it was time for a change anyway, getting out of the forestry and logging work. And the opportunity came along and it, it was just, it was a, it was a, the perfect time. I was basically handed the keys and kind of said, make a go at it. I know it sounds harsh to say that, but that's kind of what it felt like. I think the board had um, enough confidence that I could probably do it, but I didn't feel like I had the confidence to do it right away. You know, because you look at people that run historical societies or any business for that matter, you know, there's a lot to it to keep the gears turning. But it was uh, an exciting opportunity and I'm, I'm very fortunate that I, that I had the opportunity to, to take the job. So I can imagine you on yeah. the first day. Was it the, the coffee pot or the drawers of papers or did you flip on the computer <laughs> or did you just wander around and just absorb the silence? Yeah, I, I wandered around for a while and just kind of thought to myself, how did I get to this point? And I'm very fortunate to be here because I've, I've lived in that county um, since 1992. And I know just about every square inch of the back roads doing forestry work. And when I was doing that work, you know, working with landowners on rural properties, managing their timber, my favorite thing was to sit down at their kitchen table and not talk about the trees, but talk about the history of that farm, how they got there, how they managed the land. And more times than not, it would end up with a family photo album instead of a timber sale contract. It was like, Engaging with these folks that have been tied to the land was the most rewarding part, okay? So during those times of driving around the counties and, and looking at old buildings and thinking, boy, it'd be nice to have a job doing this someday, but how's that ever going to happen? So that day I started there back in May of 18 at the Historical Society was like, just felt like it was just, it almost felt surreal that I'm doing a job that I think I'm really going to love. And I thought about doing but never, ever thought I'd have the opportunity to do it. Yeah, I just didn't so, think it was possible. Yeah, you know, and it, it is. So it was really exciting, and it still is, believe it or not, three years later. <laughs> Despite everything. But, no, I remember yeah. the first day I started here, and I walked into the back stacks, mm -hmm. and I remember standing there feeling very small. Yeah. Because the ceilings are very tall here. Yes, they are. And there's a lot of stuff piled up on the shelves. Mm -hmm. And I'm not particularly tall. And just... All of the boxes containing all of the stuff and the stuff representing the memories and the memories and the stories and 21 cities worth of weight. Right. Yeah. And what Imagine. if you don't do it right? Yep. Yep. I, I can relate not to the 21 cities, but to just the, the, the physical feeling of like that this is yours, you know, and you're, and you're, and you're here to make it right and, and carry on history manage it and and hopefully do a good job you know well, and that you're only one piece in a timeline of caretakers yeah. yep yeah and the weight of it being the public good right the weight of the items belonging to the public 
and that you're here for a limited amount of time to make sure that nothing goes wrong under your watch. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a lot, a lot to think about. So, and, and going back to what you mentioned earlier about having a, a staff and kind of our, you know, how, how our counties are obviously close together, but our organizations are, are quite different. Our mission's obviously the same, but our, our just being in here for the last 45 minutes, I can tell that the, having the presence of a staff um, and, you know, having somebody who's, you know, a curator and, and helping with your volunteers. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it looks like a nice, a, a well-oiled machine here. <laughs> so I have, I have a well-oiled machine. Mine just needs a little more grease, you know, to kind of keep things moving with people. And my daily thing can be, you know, working on the social media stuff, getting the newsletter going, or, you know, making sure the lawnmower's got gas or setting mouse traps in the barn. So I do have volunteers and I'm very grateful for them. Um, but I am the only paid staff member uh, in our organization. So, One thing I learned from, I was working at the Rockford Area Historical Society before here. Mm -hmm. And when I moved to Anoka, I figured bigger budget, bigger building, bigger yeah. staff. Whoa, the world is the limit. We can do all this stuff. Right. And then I realized that percentage wise, we have the exact same budget. We have the exact same square footage. <laughs> sure. You you increased the problems at the same time you increased the benefits. You have the same capacity that you did. Yep. And it, it was really interesting to me that, that the perception mm -hmm. shifted. Sure. But in reality, you're, you're working within the same confines. Yeah. And so much of it is budget driven. It sure is. Yeah, it really is. And we, seeing what other... Uh, historical societies operate on, I mean, kind of in this region. I mean, I know we're very, we're low as far as our, our operating budget's, you know, pretty small, really. Um, we get, a, thankfully, a lot, you know, our majority of our funding comes from the county. I think just engaging with the commissioners and the townships, you know, really letting them know, like, what we're doing and not just being some kind of thing hidden back, out of sight, out of mind, and and but getting them aware of, like, the fact that we're trying to promote and, and preserve the history of the county. Thankfully, social media has been a, a really good tool for us. Um, the newsletter obviously has been helpful, but also just getting out there and talking and getting, you know, groups of people into your building, giving tours, partnering with the schools. I mean, just getting, getting involved with the communities has been really uh, a good thing for us here the last few years. So you guys got through COVID. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah, it was, let's just say I had a, you know, I caught up on a lot of stuff during that period of time. <laughs> we didn't do a whole lot of public kind of related engagements like, you know, like a podcast, for example, or no real online presence. Um, we're really not to that point yet up there, but tried to just, just remain in a positive state of mind and, and know that we'll get through it and things were going to hopefully get better. The one thing was, you know, a little disappointing is right before things shut down, I was just kind of on the upward climb of, of really partnering with the high school, the middle schools, you know, and, and getting teachers to contact me about having kids come out. And I know it sounds cliche with, with the history, you got to get the kids involved, but that really is truly one of my things I really want to try and drive home with that organization is getting the younger kids out there. Because that's how I got interested in this stuff. Mm -hmm. My grandparents on my 11th birthday gave me a book uh, on the Civil War. And I remember sitting at their, on the couch at their 
at their house, which was kind of like a museum over in Bryn Mawr, over in Minneapolis. It was like this colonial style house that had all this history stuff in it, you know, and I just loved it as a kid. I still do. I mean, I, they don't have the house anymore, but those are some of the fondest memories of going to grandma grandpa's house. And I just felt like I was going into history with them because they were so into it. And they did all this genealogy stuff back, you know, in the 70s and the 80s. We actually had to drive to places uh-huh. and do research, uh-huh. right? Flip through actual paper. Yeah, in microfilm and or microfiche and, and newspapers and all this. So I opened up this book and I flipped the page open. And the first page has got seven of my ancestors that fought in the Civil War. And then I opened the second page and there's six more from both sides of their family, you know, uh-huh. my grandma and grandpa. So... Just seeing like that I was, because the Civil War was always interesting to me as a kid, and it still is, um, but seeing like I actually had ancestors, you know, like they were there, they did this, they, you know, they, it just, and then having their enthusiasm, they, meaning my grandparents, kind of instilling that history stuff. I mean, they, and they weren't driving it home, like you're going to learn history. It was just there. It was present. And that really, really, I absorbed it. Yeah. So that's kind of kind of where I got hooked. And I see that in a lot of kids when they come in with those tours, you get a group of say like, you know, 20 seventh graders, right? You can kind of pick out the ones just by their, not only their questions, but their, their body language that you may have, you may have captured one or two there. And that's a really nice feeling, you know, and it's not like it's, I don't, that's not my, my mission is to like, you know, again, pound this history into these kids and Hey, you're going to learn this. It's just being there, and kind of reciting what you love and seeing the kind of the little fires ignite. And that's what's really cool. Yeah. That's really yeah. cool. So I had a similar experience growing up. My mom is from England. Mm-hmm. So we would go back there to see family. Yeah. And no one ever called it history. Right. But we would go out to all the estate homes and we would go to wow. the national park properties and all the castles. And hmm. it's a, a different era, obviously. Things sure. are crazy old over there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But walking around the castles, and I don't remember the names as such, but Mm -hmm. you remember the rocks, and you remember how many hundreds of years worth of feet made that step worn away so that it's dipped down in the middle now. And now your foot is hitting the same step. And that you're not that important, (laughs) right? That there is just so much more out there besides yourself. That's right. And all these experiences come together and... For some reason, we were all in the same place Mm -hmm. and those paths crossed. We went off and did our own things. But at that particular moment, our foot was on that same step. Right. And that enormity of Mm -hmm. of realizing time and place is so much more important than in 1682. Yeah. Yeah. So taking that in and watching those student faces, like you Mm -hmm. said, Mm -hmm. it's even if it's just the wood burning stove or some quilt or something like that, that they see a different way of living and they remember that other people were here before them. Yep. And then they get to the imagination stage. Yes. And they're like, (laughs) oh, what's it going to be 50 years from now? Yeah. Yeah. How are people going to look at me? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fun. It's in, and I think the only like history folks like, you know, that are into it or are interested in history, whether it's a profession or a hobby or a passion, like what, what you're saying about like stepping in those, in those same footsteps or the worn out piece of stairs or walking through a, a park or a forest and touching a bur oak tree that's 200 years old. Who sat under that tree or who stepped here? And that, if you say that to certain people, they look at you like, what, what, what are you, 
are you okay? <laughs> you know, <laughs> they do. did you hit your head? They do. You know, so, but it, it's, it's, uh, it's fun when you hear people that are, that are on the same wavelength. It's, it's fun to, to talk about that stuff. The geek squad. Back yeah. In the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you ever do any metal detecting or anything underneath those burrows? Um, I, I personally have not, but I, a friend of mine, um, did come out to our farm and do some detecting. We didn't find a lot of treasure. We found a pocket watch, a back of a pocket watch. Um, what else did we find? A lot of, a lot of iron, a lot of scrap. Um, our place was built in 1887 and it's only gone through, I think I'm the fifth owner since then. So really not a lot of people. Nice. And, and that property kind of, um, you know, our area, I say our area, Isani County as a whole was, well, obviously pre-European settlement, um, had people there as we all know. Um, but it always gets, you know, you always immediately flip to who settled it, what Europeans were there, right? So, but our area at first, it was, you know, the English, um, like in the 1850s, did a lot of the kind of preliminary settling. Um, but we're, we're kind of known for, you know, the Swedish mm-hmm. part of part of our county and the German. So, but, but my area, my, my farm is kind of located in the southern part of the county. So it's kind of really an intersecting line of, of what was the German and Swedish kind of population. My place was owned, homesteaded in, in 1887 and, and by, by a Swedish family. They lived there till 1910 and that was bought by a German family. So it's kind of interesting that that, that that property kind of represented two of the more culturally kind of significant groups there at one time. So, but it, it's a neat, it's a neat county. I mean, it's, it's got a lot of different, um, you know, not just geographic the southern part's sand, like you guys here, you know, sandy soil. And you kind of, I can see the line in my in my mind where the line kind of goes, kind of traverses and c- kind of crosses the county, cuts it almost in half. And to the north of that's heavier type of soil, mm-hmm. nicer, I say nicer, more quality type of upland trees and, and you know, heavier ground. And But it, it's really interesting because you got, you know, you got a lot of lakes. You've got the, obviously the Rum River, which connected us, mm-hmm. Anoka and Isani county but it's an interesting county it's it's still pretty wild up there you've got cambridge obviously bram isanti is kind of your your core communities um but you get you get out there and, and start getting into the, the northern part of the county i mean it's it's really it's pretty wild up there still but coming down here today it was kind of interesting you know as i drove from my place crossing the what's called the bethel bridge which is just north of saint francis being a history person as yourself, it's like you're always aware of your surroundings, going back to the steps and your foot touching the same step. You're like, who crossed over here? You know, who was here? And so it's always fun. And, and taking down down here to Anoka today, it's like got the luxury of getting in a car and driving here. Um, but people in our area, you know, in settlements, uh, early Athens, which was about 1850, just along that Bethel Bridge, they walked down here. You know, this is their this is where they went to get their supplies. Days at a time. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's neat coming down here, and you know it's such a such a contrast, but such a what a, I mean, what a great little town though. This this was my old stomping grounds for a while as a kid. You know, I I did go to high school here for a year. Oh, you're letting that out. I oh, am. Yeah. Yep, I'm getting comfortable. Now, wait a second. <laughs> we have your books oh, out in the uh, library. Uh, there. Yeah, let's not go there quite yet. We <laughs> can put it in the show notes. Oh gosh. I had a I had a raging mullet. Well, no, I wouldn't say raging. It was more kind of it was there. I'm not oh, gonna lie. This has to go into the show notes. 
uh, if you can find it. See, I was, yeah, let's see, Anoka Senior High, was it 10th grade? Yeah, it was 10th grade. So 1991-ish, I think. I, I, you know, it was right at when, um, when Champlain Park was being built, right? I didn't get the chance to go to that school. And I was so bummed because, I mean, I, I lived in Champlain for many years, okay. right across the river here. So this area is not foreign to me. I used to skateboard up and down these sidewalks and cruise my old cars up and down these side. Uh, not the side. Well, maybe the sidewalks. I'm hearing hooligan. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I might. I will. I am in your yearbook. Yeah. Anoka. Look for the kid with the with the partly shaved head and kind of like faux hawk. <laughs> I was a, I was a skateboarder, so you know I. That's just how we were. Rural yeah. Chic. Yeah. No one liked us though back then. See skateboarding. In the nineties, whoa! You were you, the renegades. Nobody likes skateboarders, oh, you know. Not. Now it's it's like everything. I mean, and I'm glad it's got to where it's gotten. Yeah, it's Olympics now. Yeah, right. You know, but boy, when we were doing it here. We were chased, getting chased by people, and uh-huh. you know, threatened to get. You know, or it was a different. It was a different time back in the nineties, skateboarding through Anoka. We were gonna find that picture. We're gonna put it up in the show notes. I wish I never said anything. <laughs> I mean, I didn't go there. I was, uh, I went to Duluth. Yeah, that's it. Anoka. I've never heard of Anoka. It's too late. It's oh, hard. man. Sam, thanks so much for taking the time to come down here and hang out and do a little chit chat. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been fun. Like I said, it's been winding, wanting to get to your museum here and it was finally nice to, to come here in person. So. Well, look out for some programming. Maybe we can do some cross-county yeah. rum river programming or something Right. Like that. Yeah, no, it's it's nice to get out and 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 kind of network with your peers. Exactly. I don't do enough of that. We'll, we'll stick to the renegade <laughs> cohort, shall we? Sure. <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll see you next time, Sam. Yeah, thanks for your time. I, I appreciate it. Okay. Read all about it in the Noka County Library Minute. Hello, my name is Lydia Potoff. I'm an adult services librarian at the Anoka County Library Northtown branch. And this is your Library Minute. If you enjoyed today's podcast and would like to learn more about museums and their operations, I recommend Curators Behind the Scenes of Natural History Museums by Lance Grand. Grand, a Richfield native, has spent most of his curatorial career at the Field Museum of Natural History. This book details some of the most interesting phases of his work, which include assignments on excavation sites and an entire chapter devoted to Sioux, the Field Museum's most famous exhibit of one of the most complete and best preserved Tyrannosaurus Rex skeletons in the world. We also have A Fool's Errand, creating the National Museum of African-American History and Culture in the age of Bush, Obama, and Trump by Lonnie G. Bunch III. This book details the myriad challenges encountered by Lonnie Bunch, the founding director of the National Museum of African-American History and Culture, to get the Smithsonian's newest museum off the ground. It's an excellent case study in the tangled web of political, legal, financial, and ethical issues museum directors face when founding and running a cultural institution. Another cultural institution is, of course, libraries. The first book we have for those who are interested in how libraries operate is I Work at a Public Library, a collection of crazy stories from the stacks by Gina Sheridan. If you've ever wondered what it's like to work in a public library, this fun, quirky read is the book for you. It includes verbatim transcripts of hilarious exchanges librarians have with the full spectrum of humanity 
that walks through the front doors of America's public libraries each day. We have an amazing documentary available to stream on canopy.com. It's called Ex Libris, the New York Public Library. This is a Frederick Wiseman documentary and it's mesmerizing. It gives viewers a behind the scenes look at one of the greatest libraries in the world. This film will make you look at libraries differently as you see what it takes for an institution of this intellectual depth and breadth to provide the resources and services it does at its 92 locations. Finally, for those of you who want to create your own cultural institution, the first is The Little Free Library Book by Margaret Aldrich. Aldrich is a Minneapolis journalist with a little free library in front of her house. You may have seen these small, charming boxes in front yards in recent years. Aldrich authors a book explaining the little free library movement founded in Hudson, Wisconsin in 2009 with a take a book, return a book philosophy. This book contains dozens of interviews with homeowners who have their own little free libraries. They describe the joy of establishing one of these little collections, as well as the issues they face hosting one. The excellent appendix includes contact information, construction designs, and installation instructions for those who are considering chartering their own little free libraries. We also have Organizing and Preserving Your Heirloom Documents by Katherine Scott Sturdevant. Those of you who would like to start a family archive will find valuable information in Sturdevant's book. There are chapters on where to locate copies of these documents, but most of the book addresses how to store, organize, and annotate those documents so other family members and future generations can access and learn from the collection. Thank you and happy reading. Get those library cards and reserve your copy today. Direct links to these books and more can be found in the episode show notes at anocacountyhistory.org. I love the different lives and that we live as human beings, that we can be this completely different person in our adulthood or even just five years of our adulthood than we were as teenagers. Like you look back at your teenage years, you're like, that's a completely different human. I, I recognize parts of myself and I see where that grew, but man, we, we found the photo with Sam in the yearbook. So it's in the show <laughs> notes. You're welcome. Love you anyway, Sam. <laughs> Not to say I'm getting on a skateboard anytime soon. Those days have sailed quite literally. Although I think the skateboard still lives over at my parents somewhere. But I'm glad we got to squeeze in a conversation with Sam because we're about to be focused on so many other things. And the upcoming episodes are going to reflect that. What are they going to be about, Rebecca? Oh, I don't know. Is that a good ghost impression? No. Uh-uh. <laughs> oh. If you didn't get that, that was a ghost impression. <laughs> We're on ghost tour season. Uh, September and October, we're headed out and giving ghost tours in the city of Anoka. A little bit of history, a little bit of mystery. And we're changing our hours at the museum to support and reflect those evening hours. So new hours at the museum, what are they? 
They are going to be Wednesday from 10 till 4 and then Thursday, Friday and Saturday, 1 till 7.30. So we'll be closed to the public on Mondays and Tuesdays and Sundays, of course. People can have some time after work to come in and do some fun research and then head out on a ghost tour. If you want to go on a tour yourself, tickets are on sale. You can find them on our website, anocacountyhistory.org. And we have digital options too. So if you want to take yourself on the tour or make some popcorn and watch it from your couch, all options are available. You could do a screen share with Aunt Mabel out in New Jersey. And show her the town with the digital ghost tour. Yeah. And I know <laughs> our podcast here, we're going to be have some conversations with homeowners or guides that have stories, uh, oral histories with Anoka Halloween connections. So stay tuned. We have amazing things planned. Ghostly things planned. Ooh. Version number two. No. Mm-mm. <laughs> I'll keep practicing people. Next episode. Wait for it. <laughs> Thank you for bearing with us and listening, and we will see you next time. If you have a question, want to visit our show notes page for each episode, or would like to share your own story, go to anocacountyhistory.org. Help History 21, the podcast, reach more ears by subscribing and reviewing on your podcast provider. We're all over social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for all those who scroll by. And for our Vault members, you can find special access to podcast extras as well as the latest digital resources at History 21 The Vault, located on our website. Remember, the present is the past of the future.